What comes to mind when you hear the term experiential design? It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but certainly it involves thinking through how people interact with the built environment in ways that are meaningful and memorable. That's a lot to unpack, but that's what we'll be doing on this episode of I Hear Design. Hello and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Robert Yaminen, Chief Content Director of INS, and I'm glad you've tuned in to today's episode because we're going to be on an interesting journey to uncover the what and why behind experience design. Before we get to today's interview, I think it's worth setting up the conversation within the broader context of economy. What do I mean? Well, for years we've been operating in what's known as a service economy, where companies are increasingly providing more services than goods. For example, IBM manufactures computers, but increasingly it's positioned itself as a provider of computer services for businesses. Today, however, we're experiencing what's commonly referred to as an experience economy, where a customer's experience with the company or brand becomes an actual source of value. Think Disney, for instance. In fact, a recent article from Harvard Business Review put it this way. From now on, leading edge companies, whether they sell to consumers or businesses, will find that the next competitive battleground lies in staging experiences. An experience is not an amorphous construct. It is as real an offering as any service, good, or commodity. Further, a recent Forbes article I read noted that, without a doubt, the single largest enabler of experience is technology. It facilitates innovation, personalized engagement, granular insight, and next best recommendations, which are the foundation of benchmark experiences. However, the article's author pointed out that access to technology or investment alone does not guarantee a winning experience. Most often, the article said, the human element is the single largest differentiator coming into play as empathy, engagement, personalization, and immersiveness. I think you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Essentially, what I believe is that this is the exact intersection where design comes into play. In order for experiential design to be successful, companies need to enlist the help of interior designers and architects who understand not only how to create beautiful functional spaces that leverage technology to create experiences, but more importantly, to connect them to the human experience in meaningful and memorable ways. That's exactly what I had the privilege of talking about recently with multidisciplinary design firm SoSo's creative director, Eric Gunther. Stay tuned as Eric shares his thoughts on where experience design is headed and how technology and even artwork can help create spaces that people won't soon forget. Have a listen. All right. Well, hi, Eric. Welcome to the I Hear Design podcast. Thanks for being here today. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So where are you dialing in from? I'm calling from Boston, just outside of Boston. Oh, okay. Great, great. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast uh, to talk about a topic that I think our listeners are really going to enjoy and get a lot out of because um, I've been hearing a lot more and more about experiential design uh, and the importance of it in designing spaces these days, especially when you consider the challenge that um, we're hearing a lot of employers are having bringing people back to the workplace, which I know we're going to touch on a little bit later in our conversation. Um, And of course, experiential design does extend well beyond the office, right? I mean, we've seen it in hospitality as well as retail and other vertical markets where designers are you know, creating memorable experience just to keep uh, people coming back for more. 
And, you know, with advancements in technology, I, I know a lot of things have changed in recent years, I'm sure. So we'll dive into all that in a minute. But uh, before we do, uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with your firm uh, or you, could you tell us a little bit more about SoSo, um, its mission and your role at the firm specifically? Sure. Um, my name is Eric Gunther. I'm the creative director at SoSo. Um, we are a digital experience firm that really takes a, a holistic approach to designing across digital and physical spaces. We are a, you know, a multidisciplinary group of architects, designers, programmers, um, you know, graphic designers that work with a variety of clients, you know, real estate clients, cultural clients, often directly with brands, you know, technology companies, really to bring creative solutions to problems and, and merge inspiration and information together into these new kinds of experiences. Yeah, yeah that's great. I like that, that merging information and inspiration. So experiential design, you know, as, as I mentioned in the beginning there, seems to have kind of risen in significance in the past maybe, I, I don't know, I'm guessing five to ten years, maybe more, maybe less. But um, how would you characterize the role of experiential design today uh, when it comes to designing physical spaces? Um, like maybe what's changed uh, over the years? Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting that, you know, when when you hear that word experience design now, a bigger spectrum comes to mind for me. And I think, you know, yeah. all the way on one side, the extreme of like, experience as destination where you have these things like meow wolf and super blue and art tech house and like these kinds of experiences that people are almost like the new version of the of the amusement park but this like expanded thing that technology has enabled um and then kind of all the way to the other end of the environment which is just like in in the built environment um you know this idea of of, of centering the user and really like designing for experience and not just space um, I think, you know, I think on the on the sort of economy side of it, it definitely seems like like you mentioned earlier, there's this like need and a desire, especially in the last few years to to bring people out of their houses and like bring them out to spaces, whether it's the you know just a workplace or, or whatever um, space it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's also a, a kind of, you know, a, a sort of competition that has grown, I think, like even among just real estate developers and and. Right buildings and the lobbies of like you know these um privately operated public spaces and like um you know who how do you get people to come to your space and it's not just with a beautiful building anymore you sort of have to think beyond the the, the space itself um and, I, and then on, on the on the other side of that i think is a lot of it's being driven by the design side of things like you know um, the, the, the sort of growth of design thinking in the field and putting the user, the end user at the center of experience and really thinking about designing a space from that perspective. Um, I think that's sort of grown a lot and, and that's driving it as well. Sure, sure. You know, I, I probably should have asked this previously and backed up, but um, by way of definition, like what do we mean by experience design? Like what is it and maybe what is it not? Like are there kind of misconceptions about that? Well, that's an interesting question. I yeah, I, I think like to me, when I hear that word, it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. It's a lot of right. people. Um, when I hear that word, I think of um, a combination of things that comes together to create an experience for a person. So that is like I am a person entering some sort of physical space. And w- what is my experience made of? It's made of the actual physical space I'm in. Um, it's made of the people that are there with me. It's made of the way that I move through that space and traverse the space and the way that the the, uh, the story or the experience of that space unfolds for me as I move. Um, 
But then it's also based on what I'm feeling and like what I'm thinking when I'm in that space. And um, when you start to like go from just the physical space into the actual like kind of inner life and the inner experience of the person there, I think that's when you start to really get into the broader scope of what experience design is. Right, right. And then things that you might interact with in that space too, right? So that, but that's part of the experience. Yes, exactly. Like all the kind of the special interventions beyond just the building itself, you know, all right. the I think starting with the basic stuff like the interior design and the furniture and then and then the more traditional uh, pieces like artwork and analog artwork and then into the more, you know, kind of future facing stuff that we'll talk about. You know, sure, that, sure. That yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a per- perfect uh, segue to my next question just about technology and what a central uh, role that that's uh, obviously going to play in implementing uh, experience design successfully. So could you talk a little bit about the role that um, technologies like maybe artificial intelligence or even, um, you know, you talked about artwork, the um, analog versus maybe some of the digital art uh, NFTs I know have been a big thing uh, recently and how that could maybe play into space. So how do you see that like technology shaping the future of art and design and experience design in physical space? Yeah, I, I'm, um, you know, a lot of the, the first part that comes to mind is the process side of things, just because of that's, you know, mm-hmm. that we're in it all the time. And I think on the process side, it's really going to democratize the field. Uh, you know, like since, since, um, I've been working kind of in museums and technology for you know a little more than 20 years now. I'm like, I've watched the the growth of the amount of different companies that are working on this kind of thing from very few in the early 2000s now to quite a few and all these companies spinning up their own internal departments and things. And so I think just like we've seen that play out in terms of technology, more people becoming fluent in technology, but also becoming more available. Um, okay. It's going to just like go really fast now, I think, like because this AI is going to it's going to make people more of like a conductor, more of an art director where you can communicate in a very intuitive human way with the tools you're using. It's almost like I like to think about it as like AI is another team member. Like you just hired mm. a new team member that is explosively creative and has none of the self-consciousness of a human collaborator. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, That's great. And and so I think on the process side, it's really exciting. I, I'm also another thing that come, we do a lot of like kind of multi-sensory design. Okay. And I'm really excited about how artificial intelligence will is already starting to like bridge the senses, you know, from from text to image and from like, you know, these ways that it's going to sort of start to create connections between all of our senses is really exciting as well. Um, yeah. And then. I get, that's like the process side of things. Mm-hmm. But I think on the on the sort of more on the output side of things, I'm just excited to see, you know, the way that spaces changes. I think there's an enormous potential for spaces to become more responsive and to become, you know, almost like for buildings to become better listeners. Like for, um, you know, buildings are never going to be people. But I think that there's all these opportunities to give people more control over the space they're in. Sure. And to give I think there's there's a kind of conversation between the people and the space itself. And then there's the conversation between the people and the space, because, you know, mm-hmm. I think as long as we still have bodies and we're human, we're going to be exquisitely tuned in to other people and that we're interacting with in these spaces. And so I think I'm excited about specifically what artificial intelligence can um, and sort of facilitate for that kind of social interaction. Sure. So would it be like, for example, you know, thinking about buildings and occupant comfort or something like like would 
the AI be able to sense or could you tell it, hey, like there's too much lighting here or it's too bright or I need more daylight or or it's too cold? Or, are those the types of maybe controls and things where you can just sort of interact w- with it or or how else do you see like this playing out in a, in a practical way? Yeah, I think for sure on these kinds of like utilitarian, like very like, you know, functional aspects of a building and being in a building, I think there's going to be a lot yeah. of growth there. And I think for us, like at SOSA, we're we're super excited about the the kind of creative side of that and like okay. how you can so um you know trying to think of some examples like you know the way that you can um change the the color of a space like through mm-hmm. light and you know i think like you know lighting technologies is a big one and giving people you know we've done a, a bunch of installations where you know for example through text messaging i mean in the future it's through voice or something else but people can really creatively control the color of a space the, the, you know the, the color of the lighting in that space mm-hmm. um, and then I think there's also this notion of like, like sort of bringing the conversations that people are having in a building in a more meaningful way, bringing those conversations into the building. You know, we've got social media platforms right now, and that's often how people communicate. But like, can we make some of those conversations more part of the physical spaces we're inhabiting mm. where like people can leave, you know, have a long term conversation over the course of weeks? facilitated by a building you know by right right yeah that's cool that's cool a really interesting concept yeah love that are there particular like misperceptions or misconceptions about experience design um or pitfalls kind of that architects designers should try to avoid when they're thinking about it or trying to apply technology to create an experience i think that one of the biggest ones is is like kind of because technology is new and because it's flashy and it's that flashy new thing, making the mistake of just putting it in without thinking of how it's actually serving the experience. Um, it's something we see often. Um, and, and, you know, just to give a, a sort of simple example is screens. Like new buildings go up and we kind of come into these projects of these new buildings and just there's all these screens that are placed kind of all over the building. No one knows what they're going to do and what's going to go on them. <laughs> and, and so it's like, uh, you know, this idea of like, oh, because you because you can, we're going to put it there. We're going to kind of, you know, we're going to give you lights that can do every color of the rainbow. We're going to give you these like HD screens. Right. But I think the the pitfall is, you know, what are how are they serving the experience? And, um, you know, what are they doing there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's you know obviously when we're we're all kind of tied to our, our screens anyway. I mean, and and you know it's almost like overload sometimes that we're just bombarded with just screens everywhere, right? And so we're uh, interacting with them constantly. We've we've you know heard about some of the negative Im- impacts there. So I think it, it it'll be interesting to see how buildings can still interact with people and technology and integrate in ways that aren't necessarily just looking at yet another screen. Like to your point, so. Yeah, like I, I think like it's almost like more broadly the by sort of sort of shoehorning this new tech, this new exciting technology in there, um, we're ignoring the larger context of the experience. And I think that's where again, like kind of bringing it back to experience design. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes in in a big way. Like, you know, we're looking at the journey of a person. We're looking at the we're looking at the the emotional and like interest arc. Of, of that person as they walk through the building and and kind of using that to to drive decisions around like where technology goes and, and how it's used for sure yep 
Next question I really uh, wanted to touch on had to do with, you know, artwork and how you see that influencing, you know, the workplace of the future and kind of touching back to our, our comment just now about, you know, screens, you know, digital artwork, you know, and NFTs and, and things like, you know, I've, I've seen on, on, again, a lot of screens uh, on your website. I was on earlier just kind of poking around there. I saw like an interesting look like an installation of like paper that was kind of unfolding. Like it, it looked like this really like sort of analog, but at the same time, you know, dynamic, the, the, this thing, I, I don't know if you, you can reference that specifically, but or just give other examples of, you know, the way artwork can really sort of make a space more dynamic and not necessarily have to use like another digital screen, right? That's a, that piece that you brought up is a great example. It's called Diffusion Choir, and it is this okay. kinetic sculpture of like these origami elements that are playing out a perpetually evolving like flock of birds that are flying through this like six story atrium. Right. That's a great example because I think the more that the art in um, public spaces and, and workplaces and buildings can become these like living, breathing experiences and, you know, that are kind of listening to people and being responsive, I think the more opportunities there are to um, make them sort of um, put them there to, to improve our well-being. And I think to me, that's like there's there's this, there's a few issues going on with like you know, just like workplace and, and the workplace of the future and where we're headed. And I think one of the big ones is like um, this, you know, um, dearth of focus on well-being and emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about productivity and so much about kind of the function of the space. And I think there's a lot of amazing opportunities, specifically like through art and technology to bring people back into their bodies. You know, that piece is a great example. We We worked on that piece for like a year and a half the day came to turn it on. Like the first <laughs> time it was all installed and I turned the software on and immediately like my whole body slowed down. My breathing wow. slowed down. I sat back and I was like, whoa, like it was, it was just such a profound experience. And yeah. since, since that day, you know, it kind of been, been, have brought that to the, to the top of the stack in terms of our, our goals as designers for, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And I love that because you meant like or you mentioned that it was kind of like this symbolic of maybe a, a flock of birds or evocative, you know, and that sort of um, to me sort of touches on the the whole idea of biophilic design as well. And so how art can play a role in that. And like you said, there's the physiological response in your body to something like that, where it's, you know, you're relaxing and you're you're just kind of you just just interacting with that one piece that's this kinetic um, sort of very analog piece of art that just has a powerful impact. So that, that's really, really cool. Yeah. It, something you said also, um, the thing about the flocking brings me back to some, an earlier point about, um, about experience design. And I think, I think people have started to realize that like the, the building itself provides this incredible canvas for, um, speaking to an organization's mission or speaking to you know a brand or whatever it might be and in the case of that that origami piece you you mentioned like it was all about kind of collaboration and nature at flocking as a way of talking about collaboration and life sciences the building is a life science building and sort of cool. like expressing that through the science and the, and the, uh, the simulation of, of nature itself yeah and i think that's that's a powerful thing like for for companies um, to be able to, you know, right now there's a there's a set of channels through which organizations speak to their um, constituents and their and their employees or whatever it might be their team, 
And I think like some of these um, interventions in buildings and thinking about the experience design of the physical workplace provide some very new opportunities to engage people with their work to remind people why they're doing the work they're doing, to inspire them around that work in, in a really focused, meaningful way. You know, beyond, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, like art, any artwork is an incredibly important presence in a building. But I think when you have the ability to really like speak to a specific theme or topic or a changing theme or topic, um, you suddenly have the ability to engage in more of a conversation. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you touched on my next question a little bit there about, you know, again, employers bringing people back to, to the office and and the ways that art and experience design can help improve that workplace experience. You know, do you have like sort of data that, that kind of supports like some of the positive connections that can happen when you integrate, you know, some of these thoughtful design solutions and experience design uh, to the to the workplace that would maybe help I don't know, an architect or designer sell to a client because maybe they're thinking, well, this just all sounds well and good. But I mean, is it where like worth the investment in a way? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a it's a really good question. I, you know, I, we don't have any hard data. I know we have a lot of anecdotal data and stories sure, sure. you know, of people speaking to, you know, we we did a piece in um, uh, the, near the elevators of a big kind of finance uh, tower in Boston. And we just heard from like so many people that walking past this thing on the way in and out of work is just kind of one of the highlights of their day. It's just like an energized yeah. presence, you know, and, sure. um, and and even through some of the, you know, there's this ability to like this piece in particular to, to send text messages with them, have like almost a conversation with it. Right. And even looking through some of the logs that, you know, it's, it's a kind of secret between you and the sculpture, but we get to see all the, the server logs. <laughs> oh, and, cool. And there's like just some amazing things. Like people will text it like, you know, you got this, you got this today. Like just, <laughs> Almost like just un- very unexpected conversations that happen between people and technology, you know. Yeah. That's cool. It almost becomes a persona in the space, right? It's like, yeah. and, and I think as as AI is introduced to that conversation, it's going to become even more so like a, a kind of human conversation. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. So, uh, Eric, do you have any parting thoughts uh, for our listeners, like, you know, something, a particular message that they might uh, walk away with after listening to uh, today's episode and conversation? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's a I want to just kind of put out a challenge to all designers, experienced designers, architects. And that includes myself to to go like, you know, even beyond this idea of centering the end user in the design process to centering the well-being of that user in the process and the experience. Mm-hmm. I think. It's a, you know, it's an, it's a huge issue right now in America and all across the world. Like, um, you know, emotional and mental health is, it's at a, it, the, the numbers are pretty staggering. We're not doing so great right now. And I think um, the spaces that we inhabit every day are such a powerful place to address that problem. And then really, like, how can we, how can we take technology, which is often has been at odds with our well-being to be quite yes. frank like yeah 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 through many decades of, of different technologies and especially recently um you know how could we turn it back and like use it to actually enhance our well-being to create this like shared sense of wonder and to really like provide more emotionally driven embodied experiences in, in, the, in the built environment yeah yeah yeah. no that's fantastic i love that yeah turning technology back to to be something useful and then helpful uh, and to impact human health and well-being for the positive. So that's great. So last thing, Eric, uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about SoSo and the work that you're doing around experience design? Uh, you can check out our work at 
socialimited.com or on Instagram uh, at socialimited. Socialimited. All right. Perfect. Well, Eric, I appreciate you being here, sharing your insights with our listeners today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, Robert, thanks so much for having me. It's been a really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thanks. Well, to our listeners out there, thank you for continuing to support the I Hear Design podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Give us a positive rating if you enjoy the conversations you're hearing. And please feel free to reach out to me directly with ideas for topics or guests you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode by sending me an email at rnieminen, it's N-I-E-M-I-N-E-N, at Endeavor, B2B, that's uh, letter B, number two, B.com. And that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone. 